Well, let's get our Bibles out this morning and get into the Word today. Anybody come ready to hear something from heaven? Come on, isn't the Word of God precious and life-changing? Let's go over to Philippians chapter 2 today. Philippians chapter 2, and let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for this time together that we have now. We believe that you're at work in our lives. You're directing us. You're ordering our steps aright. And Lord, we ask you for an impartation of truth today. Uh, that we may walk in the freedom that belongs to us in Christ. Lord, thank you for every life, every heart, every mind being influenced today by your word and spirit. We receive of you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, everybody, Philippians 2. Let's start reading here in verse 10. Philippians 2.10 says that at the name of Jesus... Every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth. What is every knee going to do? Bow. Who's he talking about? Those in heaven. Who would that be? That would be people, you know, people who have accepted the Lord, been saved, angels, all right. They're in heaven. Their knee will bow. Those on earth, who would that be? Those on earth would be us, and who else? Everyone else. I mean, no, everyone's going to bow their knee at some point. And he even said those under the earth, who would that be? That would be those who rejected the Lord. That would be demons. That would be the bad guys. What's going to happen? They are going to bow their knee to the name of Jesus. Aren't you glad that you've done it? voluntarily I'm so glad I'm not going to be forced to my knee but humbly and willingly I call him master look at the next verse here it says verse 11 and that uh, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father every tongue what's it going to do every tongue's going to confess every knee is going to bow to that name now think about it for a moment When we confess the Lordship of Jesus, we are not only acknowledging or proclaiming the position that he holds, you know, that he is King of Kings, he is Lord of Lords, he's the main man, he's the master. Uh, We're not only proclaiming or acknowledging that, yes, that's who you are, that's who you are. That's who you are in the universe. You are the Lord. But when we confess the Lordship of Jesus, what we are saying is that you are my Lord. I'm giving him a place in my life as opposed to just acknowledging that he holds a place. Everybody with me on this? It's kind of like uh, there are many people in our city that may acknowledge my position as the pastor at Life Church, all right? But there are other people, many of you here, that would, that that word, it means something different to you because I'm not just the pastor, but I'm your pastor, right? It's like uh, you may see Amy and I and, and call us a parent. You know, we are a mom and a dad. But my, the, when my children call me that, that's different, 
because they're not just saying, you are a father. <laughs> and, they, you know, you're my mom and dad, right? And when we acknowledge God, how many know there's a big difference in a person saying, I believe in God or I believe in Jesus and the person who willingly, humbly, purposefully submits their life to him and, say, and says, you are Lord of me. You are the boss in my life. Because how many know when we say Jesus is Lord, we're also saying I'm not Lord. When I call him Lord, when I call him master, I'm saying you're in charge I'm not in charge. You're calling the shots in my life from this point forward. I'm no longer calling the shots. Okay? And there's a big difference. Let it be in your life whenever you say the words or sing the songs about the lordship of Jesus that it's not just an acknowledgement of a position or place that he holds, but that it is a a submissive statement and a commitment of your heart. A reaffirmation again and again. You are Lord. You are God to me. You are the main man and the big cheese in my life. Amen? Okay, and, and, and this, is, this is a difference of, of approach that we must have from just acknowledging a position. And so in, in our world today, we're very frequently taught and it's modeled that we should be looking out for number one. Who's number one? Well, in that context, how many know that's me, that's you? That we we got to watch out for ourselves because bless God, if you don't look out for your own interests, no one else will. And you've got to make sure that you're, you're, you're taking care of yourself. And uh, how many understand that's not scriptural, though, for the New Testament believer? That we are not to be focused on our own selves, our own wants and needs and desires, but we are to change our focus and start looking out for somebody else. And first and foremost, we're saying, Lord, what do you want? Because I've given my heart and life to you. You've purchased me through your redemptive blood, and now I belong to you. What do you want? Right? It's not all about me standing up for my rights and my ways and bless God, I'm going to have it. Hmm. I mean, that's just kind of ugly. But that's the, way, uh, that's the way the world operates. We're conditioned to think about ourselves first. Financial advisors will say, pay yourself first. I just don't like to hear the words myself and first in the same sentence. Now, my flesh does. It says, yeah, me, 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 me. But, I, but I've learned better that it, it, it's not suppo- supposed to be about me. Amen. My needs get met when I have a different focus. And our competitive nature oftentimes drives people to proclaim, we're number one. And uh, I was driving on the freeway. Someone told me I was number one the other day. Uh, maybe that's not what they meant. I don't know. Uh, I... I Anyway, how many understand children are famous for being selfish? Uh, they're very, very quick to proclaim what's mine, and uh, and we ought not be that way. I, I was reading recently the introduction to property law from a toddler's perspective, and uh, it it goes like this: If I like it, it's mine. If I can take it away from you, it's mine. If I had it a while ago, it's mine. If I say it's mine, it's mine. If it looks like mine, it's mine. If I say I saw it first, it's mine. If you're having fun with it, it's mine. If you lay down your toy, it's mine. If it's broken, it's yours. 
but, but, but that seems to be the, you know, the selfish nature of the flesh. And children, of course, seem to inherently know how to operate that way. <laughs> and we have to teach them to share and, and to seek the good of others and, and train them in not being so self-centered. And uh, unfortunately, I've met a few adults that didn't get that lesson. Uh, if, you're, if that's you here today, don't, you know, don't wave your hand or anything. But it's not too late to learn the ways of God. And to learn the ways of maturity and the ways that really work. Uh, but the kingdom of God does not operate on that me principle. It's all about me and my life. It works a different way. I want you to turn with me to Revelation chapter 12. The book of Revelation, very last book in the Bible. Uh, chapter 12. This is a very commonly quoted verse of Scripture. And, and a lot of emphasis is placed on the first part of this verse. I, w- I want to emphasize something else, though. It, it says, Revelation 12:11, And they overcame him. Now, him here is the devil. He's called the accuser of the brethren. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And a lot of times we stop there, and don't get me wrong, there's, va- there's validity in just quoting that, and there's tremendous revelation there. But look at the last part of this verse. It says, and they did not love their lives to the death. What was their key to success, their key to victory, their key to overcoming the strategies and, and temptations and accusations of the enemy? They didn't really care about their own lives that much. They did not love their own lives. And they said, if we have to die, big whoop-de-doo. I mean, I'm saved. I'm giving my life to Him. If it costs me my life, that's nothing. See, there is a key here. There is such um, tremendous potential in the life of the person who is not in love with themselves or in love with their lives. We get free from so much junk and so many traps of the enemy when we don't love our lives so much. But again, the selfish nature of this world, people are always focused on me, 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 and you got to watch out for you. The reality is, is when I stop loving me, that's when I, that's when I truly get free. When I stop loving me, that's, what, that's when I am able to overcome and walk in the successes and victories that God has designed for my life. Let me give you another one. You don't need to turn there, but Mark chapter 8 and verse 35. Jesus said, For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. And so it's contrary to human thinking. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But what what do we need to do here? We've all got to lose our lives. How many understand losing your life is not necessarily talking about you need to be... um, you need to be killed. You need to die physically for someone. But we give up on those things that, that we're all about. And we make them secondary to God's purpose and plan. We make them secondary even to the well-being of another individual. That's when a person gets life. Hmm. That's what we're all about here. That's why we're called Life Church. We're about life. That's our goal. It's our focus. It's the main thing. It's the life of God in a person's life. How do you get it? Forget about you. (laughs) I got problems. I know. Forget about you. Where'd your problems go? It's when we focus on things that are more important. We focus on the main issues that really the life of God begins to flow in us and we're, we're enabled to rise up to another level. Now, one of the very foundational principles in the Christian life that all of us should understand and it's helpful for us to be reminded of is real simple. Some things are more important than other things. 
there are certain parts of our life that should take precedence over other parts of our life. And if we don't recognize that, we put everything on the same plane. We make everything equal, and we've just got a mess that has no order to it, okay? It's like it's that closet that you keep throwing stuff in. You keep throwing stuff in. What's there? That's the closet with stuff in it. As opposed to that's the closet that has, and you can list the things that are in it because there's order to that closet. It's useful. Many people's lives have become chaotic. Everything, it's just a mess. There's no order, but God has instituted divine order for our lives. You know, Jesus even taught, he was talking to the Pharisees at one point, and uh, these guys were religious to the core, and they were um, just really into a lot of details. They, they, when they tithed, they tithed off their spices. I mean, they got their cinnamon out and their... <laughs> <laughs> and all these, they, they, they gave, they tithed off that. And Jesus got on their case about it. He said, you are doing this, he said, and you're neglecting the more weighty matters of the law. He, Jesus said that there were things in the law that mattered more than others. Some things weighed more. We should understand this. In God's plan, in God's kingdom, there are things that are more important than others. Not everything is of equal level. Not everything, everything's on the same plane or of equal value. Some things weigh more. Well, what, if I, what if they don't weigh more to me? Well, then I'm out of order. I've got a messy closet. I've got some chaos going on in my life. I cannot have God's best and experience the most that He has to offer me until I get things in order in my life. Okay? Everybody with me on this? This is a principle that um, really works in a lot of areas. Um, it's not uncommon for a person to have struggles and trouble in one area of their life. Let's say it's this area. Can you see it? <laughs> okay, in my hands here. This is the area I'm having trouble with. So I focus all my attention on it. And I work at it, and I work at it, and I work at it, and I'm hitting it from all angles, and I'm just really trying to fix this area. But you know, oftentimes the reason this area right here is messed up is because of this area. And I can work work myself to the bone trying to fix this, but it's connected to this. If I will fix this area over here, this will go away. I remember one time, years ago, I was talking to this chiropractor, and we were talking, and I, I remember that, I don't know, it was a rotator thing or something, but my shoulder was, was hurting, and it wasn't a major deal, but I just thought, well, I'm just going to ask him, see if he knows anything about that. I just said, I just said, do you know anything about why, you know, that, that muscle there that, you know, would hurt like if I would throw a ball or a football or baseball or something like that? And, uh, and he, he said, oh, yeah, I know about that. And he, he, um, he, he reached behind me, and he, it's hard for me to read. I'm not that limber. But <laughs> you know how some people can touch their hands in the back? That's just wrong. 
<laughs> Human beings aren't not supposed to. No, I would like to be able to do that. I just can't. Uh, but he reached right back here, and he pushed on this one of these muscles right over here. And I didn't even know it hurt until he pushed on it. I went, oh! And I guess he knew, you know, that that was connected to this. And that got worked out, and this stopped hurting. I thought, well, that's interesting. There are a lot of things in life that are that way. Things are connected. And this issue of recognizing what the Master says, what the Lord says to us, that sets everything else up in our life to work. If I ignore that, I might be focusing on a problem, but it's never going to get resolved because it's connected. Sometimes when parents are having trouble with their children and they can't get their children to act right, they're not responding to their training and discipline and they're not behaving right, they think there's something wrong with this kid. This kid needs counsel. This kid, I got to send this kid somewhere. Do you know what is often the problem? It is a problem in the relationship between mom and dad. And the relationship between mom and dad will put problems into the kid if it's not fixed. Everybody understand that? I know everyone gets real quiet. Don't don't be condemned. Just fix it. (laughs) But we want to act like those things aren't true because it's easier for someone else to fix. Well, they got a problem. It's related. You fixed the marriage, many of the problems in the children's lives go away. Oftentimes, when a marriage is, is, is struggling and they're having conflict and problems, we think the marriage needs counsel. There needs to be my wife, my husband, they need to change. You know what often the source of that is? It is a problem in the individual's relationship with God. Let me say it this way, in their walk with God. And they think, oh, no, it's my husband, it's my wife. Listen, you don't have two people who are just going for it in God, loving Him and in the Word and growing and just, uh, you know, living that, that have problems with each other. No serious problems. That's just not true. Someone said, oh, no, we love God. I mean, with all of our heart, we do. It's just, we just don't get along with each other. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Say, well, we got, we're both, you know, certain type of personality and we butt heads. Well, I understand that. But you talk, if you've got two people walking in the love of God, they overcome any of that, even though it may be more of a challenge. They absolutely do. And so see what's happening is we get things in order from the top and it starts trickling down. It starts with the Lord. And our relationship with Him, me valuing what He says, meaning the words, He is Lord, that affects my relationship. I get wisdom from God. The blessing is on me, and I see how to treat my wife, how to raise my kids, how to act on the job, how to, how to deal with everything else. Get that in order, and things start trickling down, and everything else starts working. Amen. Amen. This principle uh, is... True in many areas. You've been wondering what's uh, under the cover here. And uh, I'm going to show you that next week. Okay, so don't you dare peek after service. Okay, I'm just kidding. 
we have today apples and rice. All right? These are nice. These are mm, wooden apples. Can you smell the paint on those? All right. And we, so what we have here, the apple represents those things in our life that are important, that are the most important. Okay? They're not trivial issues. They're not secondary issues. These are the main priorities of our lives. Okay? And the rice here represents things that are less important. All right? These things don't matter. They're not necessarily bad. Uh, but they just don't matter like these things do in our lives. And we should all know the difference. It's not all one. They're different. This, this jar here now is your life. It's your time, it's your resources, it's your energy, it's your, it's, uh, your brain power. <laughs> it's everything you're giving yourself to in life and how much you can handle, all right? If I were to take all the things in my life, the, what I would call lesser priorities, and fill my life with them, I do those things first. You know, there might be a bunch of hobbies in there. Might be some TV in there. Might be a lot of things in there that, you know, it's all right. I fill my life with that. And then at the end of my day, I start dealing with things that are more important, with what I know is truly important in life. The thing that I'm... This is the thing that people on their deathbed say, I wish I would have spent more time doing this. Wish I would have given myself more to these things in life. So many are that way. But at the, you know, after we've done all these other things and then we start doing what's important and we, we're, trying to, we're trying to squeeze these things in. But how many understand... It doesn't take long, and we're out of space. We're out of time. We're out of money. We're out of energy. I just can't, and we think, I just can't do what I need to do. I just don't have time to do what supposedly I'm supposed to do or what I think maybe God wants me to do. I just don't have time. How many know that's not true, that a person doesn't have time? The truth is, is we've filled our lives, we've filled our schedules and our, our lives with things that don't matter so much. And then we never truly get to the things that do matter, the weightier issues in life. But I wonder what would happen if we could start over and we could rearrange and reorder the direction and priorities of our lives. Thank God in Jesus there's forgiveness. And so let's rewind. Get the rice out. And we've got an empty slate again. Let's say I take the really important things and I make sure and do those first. This principle will work on your job with things that are important in your workplace. Uh, it works in all areas. I'm prim- primarily referring to just our lives in general and the fact that God calls some things more important than others. And... I start filling my life, filling my time, using my money and my resources, and I get done all the big things. 
I get the important stuff done. Now, if my day is over, you know, I've accomplished something. Maybe I didn't have as much pleasure and relaxation time and doing some of those minor things, but I did get something done. But there's something about putting God first. I'm wondering if I got room for this. What do you think? Can I get all this stuff in there too? Well, let's give it a shot. I really like the blessing of God. It seems that when I'll put him first and put his business first, that I'm able to do far more than I could ever do if I'll put me first and my stuff first. Look at that. I was so concerned that I'd never have time for my extracurricular stuff. I'd never have time to do some of my interests and my personal likes and desires. And so I put those first and never had time for the things of God. But when I put Him first and I make what He says important is what's important to Him important to me and I put that first in my life, all of a sudden, I've got time for everything. My time was blessed. And I, I made his stuff important. And he gave me the opportunity to do some things that I wanted to do. In fact, I could get everything in when I put him first. This is a principle in the kingdom of God. That to not know it, we waste a whole lot of time. Deceiving ourselves, thinking, I can't do it. I don't have the energy. I don't have the money. I don't have the time. But when I'll put the Lord first, everything changes. I want you to look over with me, and I want to, I want to go to the book of Haggai, chapter 1. Here's my new series. It's called uh, The Priority Principle. The Priority Principle. When we get things in order in our lives, everything starts clicking everything starts working. We all of a sudden have time to do what's important and do what's right. We have the money. We have the energy. But if I'm spending all my money, all my time, all my resources, all my emotional energy, I'm spending it on things of lesser importance, I'll never get to the things that really matter. I'll never get to the weightier issues. And this is where we take a leap of faith and say, I'm about to change my life. I'm about to change the way I do things. Ha you over there in Haggai? Aren't you glad your name is not Haggai? We, we don't have any Haggai's here today, do we? <laughs> Haggai. <laughs> Chapter 1. Let's begin in verse 2. It says, Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, this people says, the time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. What did he say? Did not, 
not what the Lord said. He said, the people said, it's not time to build God's house. It's not time for me to give into the kingdom of God. God's stuff is later. My stuff is now. They said, it's not time. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in paneled houses and this temple to lie in ruins? What's he saying? These paneled houses, they were, they were fixing up their places. Everything was super nice. He said, Is it time for that? But it's not time for my house. You see... The Lord is not saying, I don't want you to have a paneled house. How many know, no, the Lord does not have an issue with his people being rich. It's a problem with them being covetous. All right? He's not saying, I don't want you to have a nice house. He's saying, is it really time for you to put all your time and energy and resources into your deal while my deal sits there unfinished? Verse 5, now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. He didn't say consider my love for you my, or your standing with me. Consider how you're acting. Consider how you're approaching your, your relationship with me and my kingdom. He said consider your ways. You have sown much and bring in little. You eat but do not have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages and, uh, to put into a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Think about that now. What's happening? What is he telling them? He said, would you take a look at your life? Can you see? It's not working. There's an issue, there's a problem here. Can you tell that you are spending all kinds of energy? You're planting and hardly getting anything out of it. You eat and you're not full and satisfied. You're spending all your time and energy on yourself. And it is not working. Consider your ways. He didn't say, that's my plan for you. But when you get in heaven, everything will be good. No, he's teaching them. To get things straight today. He wanted them to have a nice house. A nice meal. A nice crop. He wanted them to be fruitful and productive. Successful in everything they do. You know when the Bible teaches us. And gives us promises like. Like whatever you put your hand to. Will prosper. Whatever they do will prosper. Uh, I, I don't know. That's a pretty amazing promise. And if you're like me. If I see something in the word. And then I look at my life and I don't see a parallel. They're not lining up. I'm starting to ask questions. God said that, but I don't see that. I want to know why. And I'm telling you, that's what they were having. And he said, this is why. This is why it's not working. You have put your stuff before mine. You have made your life more important than my kingdom and my plan. My house lies in ruins while you're just living 
living large and taking care of your own business first. That won't work for you. Now, this is opposite of the world, so I know I'm challenging thinking here, and it got real quiet all of a sudden. <laughs> but this is, a, this, is a, uh, this is a truth that sets free. Okay, verse 8. Go up to the mountains and bring wood and build the temple, that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much, but indeed it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why? Says the Lord of hosts, because of my house that is in ruins. While every one of you runs to his own house, therefore the heavens above you withhold the dew, and the earth withholds its fruit. For I called for a drought on the land and the mountains, on the grain and the new wine and the oil, and whatever the ground brings forth on men and livestock and on all the labor of your hands." He's telling them, there's a reason these things are not working for you, but you can get this thing turned around. It is about changing and making what God says important, important to us. If I will reshift and refocus my life to get His things first, to get those main priorities and issues in play in my life. If anything has to fall off, it's going to be something else, but never the things of God. And I'll find that when I'm doing His business, that His blessing resides on my time, on my finances, on my brain power, on my job, on my family, on everything I do. And I'm able to accomplish with Him what I could never, ever accomplish if I just focused on the other issues. Everybody with me today? You see, there's... There's a condition, you know, that happens in so many of us that people wait until their life is in chaos before they make changes. And uh, the question might be, though, you know, can you get your priorities right? When you can, when you must, you can. But I don't want to begin to treat treat the Lord like a like a genie in a bottle where every time things are going rough, I run home. And I run to get things right. I feel the pain. I feel the pressure. Now, Lord, help. Now, listen. He's merciful and, and good and kind. And he'll help people. But I don't want to be that way. I run, run, run that way. Because the problem is when people get things fixed, then their life becomes the main issue again. It's all about me. I've had some time in the past and different times in my life where I've ministered to people who were incarcerated. Those are in prison and detention centers. And honestly, the result, when I'd bring a message and I'd give an altar call, it's huge. I mean, like 90% of the people would respond and get saved. And I pray with them, lead them to the Lord. I think, yay. And, uh, and I still feel that way. But you know what happens frequently? It's people, when they get their life back, they have their life back again. And so and now, now God is back on the back shelf. And he's no longer needed because I'm not confined. I don't need him to fix anything immediately. I don't want to live my life that way. I want to mean what I say when I confess that Jesus is Lord. 
That means he's master. That means what he says to me is more important than anything else that I face or deal with in my life. God must begin to be the central focus of all that we do. Why do we go to work for Him? Why, why, why do I get up in the morning for the Lord? Not just why do I go to church. I mean, that's common. Why do we, why do, we do praise and worship? Well, for the Lord. <laughs> I'm singing to Him. Why do I go to church for God? No, no, no. We understand that. This is obviously a spiritual activity. Why do you go to work? Why do you go on vacation? Why do you have a family? Why do we do all that we do? See, there's a point, there's a place that God designed for us. Now, He's really picky this way. He honestly is. He wants you, and, and He doesn't want there to be anybody else between Him and you. He wants to be the main person in my life, and nobody else can take that place. And there, it's possible for a person to get this to this area in their relationship with God where it is genuinely all about Him. I don't mean the flesh won't remind you every day, me, 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 don't forget about me. <laughs> but we can live our lives with a motivation that everything I do is to bring Him glory. And that's putting the, mo- the, ma- the main things first. That's bringing those apples into the forefront in your life when His stuff is more important than anything else. And then watch as everything starts fitting into place. The chaos goes. The confusion goes. Things become clear. You eat and you're satisfied. You go on vacation and you're rested. You know, you go to work and you're, you're fulfilled and productive. Things, things are working for you. Why? Why? Why is it working? Because the house of God is being taken care of. When his house is taken care of, the dew comes. When his house is taken care of, the crops produce. Things work. Come on now. Let's not think for a moment that we are, our lives are limited to a lousy economy and a bad job market. We serve the living God, and I don't want to if he's not capable of doing something beyond our culture. I know things are falling apart all around us, but God is on the throne. And if I will magnify Him and keep Him numero uno in my life, make Him the main thing that I live for, I tell you what, I am accessing what He has already provided me in Jesus. And that is the blessing of God on everything I do. Come on now. Good, good, good. Anybody going to come back next week? <laughs> or do we scare you away? This is a principle of the kingdom. It works. Probably this principle is more needed than any other principle when it comes to the blessing of God flowing in your life. It's all about your priority. It's all about God's house being first. You take care of Him, He takes care of you. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, today we're so thankful for your blessing, for your wisdom your direction that comes to us. We believe that you're faithful in, in all that we do and we purpose in our hearts and our minds today to put you on the throne and leave you there. 
to highly respect and regard everything you say, everything you value. Lord, those things become important and valuable to us. Thank you for doing a work in us today, helping us to get our lives in order, set our house in order, and to take care of the house of God. Lord, we believe that you're at work in us. It's not the work of man, but it is the work of God. We value and treasure today. Father, I pray for every life, every person who's come to church today.